Good morning from me and Merry Christmas. Call this one uh, for us, The Crib and the Cross, and uh, I want to give thanks to my friend PJ because he's written on The Wise Men. He's a historian, and it's been really helpful to me. Um, and I remember another friend of mine saying years ago, um, the crib and the cross of Jesus were cut from the same wood. And that's a powerful thought for us Christians. And I just want to hammer that home this morning for my message. And I want to do it by telling you a story. So come with me. The year is 2014. A child is born. In fact, he just ran out that room. Even though I tell him not to run. Here's a question. How do you behave around a newborn baby? i tell you what I did. I began using my baby voice for the first time. And Rita tells me I used it constantly for three years straight. And in all the videos, there's me using a high-pitched, irritating noise from my mouth. What do you do? Well, do you know what people didn't do in Heath Hospital in 2014? They didn't bow down and worship the newborn baby. Have you ever seen a man bow down to a newborn baby in your life? If you did, would you think he was a wise man? Or a strange man? They did it in Heath Hospital. What if a group turned up at the ward and bowed down and worshipped? The baby in 2014. You would think something odd about this man, or there's something special about this baby, one or the other. Let's go back further. The year is 1 AD. John Chrysostom thinks it's 4 BC, but I don't, for reasons I won't bore you with this morning. And a baby is born. And in our reading, in verse 11, part A, it says... They bowed down, this group of men, and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And the Bible says that these weren't strange men, that they were wise men. How? Why? Because this one human is the only human in world history, worth bowing down to and worshipping. There's only really ever been one. And everybody here, or listening at home, bows down to something or someone. Someone calls the shots in our lives. But day to day, the world reveals to us, nobody's really worth it, and we all let each other down except for this one. Here's another question. How far would you travel to visit a newborn baby? What's your limit on petrol or effort? The year is 2014. Keith and Kate Batstone, now known to the newborn as Nanny and Gramps, traveled about 400 meters <laughs> to Heath Hospital to visit their second grandson because my eldest sister had already had one. And then they would sometimes travel a whopping 29 miles to our house in Ogmore Vale to visit the newborn baby. Do you know what didn't happen 
when people were visiting the baby from 2014. People didn't travel from Orient far, from the far ends of the Eastern world. The year is 1 AD. Three wise men set off from all over the Far East to visit a newborn baby. Because only once in world history has there ever been a human born who's truly worth dropping everything to go and behold and adore and worship and truly put the effort in and spend the money on petrol. Most of us visit loved ones at Christmas, but we return pretty much in the same condition as when we left. But when you visit this baby, your life is changed forever. There's only ever been one like that. Here's another question to keep you awake. I've got lots this morning. How many wise men were there? I knew you'd say that. It's popular today to say we don't know, but I think there was three. And I think they were all spread out in the Far East, and then I think they met on the banks of the River Jordan and went the rest of the way together. And now let me tell you why. Because the Venerable Bede said so in the 8th century. And if you've got a name like Venerable Bede, you're probably right. Not only that, I like ancient historians better than modern ones. But not only that, a lot of accounts from the church around the globe have three figures going to visit this baby. And though some of the details change in the stories, the general thrust of the story is the same. And that's not nothing. In 2014, the baby's visitors' names were Keith and Kate and Anthony and Ruth. Saint Bede says, in 1 AD, their names were Melchior, Caspar, and Belfazer. He writes down where they were from, and what they looked like, and how they met, and which one gave what gift to baby Jesus. And he's not writing fiction. He's not infallible, so he might be wrong, but he's not just making it up. It's been handed down to him, because it matters, at least to Bede and to me. And then from about the 1500s on, everything changed, and people started saying, there maybe wasn't three, we just don't know. They might not have been kings, and they might have come from the east in some general direction, but it might not have been very far, but I'm not convinced. I think sometimes we write off church tradition too easily because to the ancient people, these truths were sacred. And they were so sacred when it was handed down to them, they used to write it in the margins of their sacred pages. And they were careful with it, not sloppy like we are today. The ancient Irish Christians wrote about the three. The ancient Armenian Christians wrote about it. And the ancient Indian Christian songs from times of yore all talk about three. And the details correlate in many ways. Now let me tell you why it matters that there were three. Oh no, actually, I'll do that a bit later on, because I've got another question. In 2014, some of the visitors to the baby who just ran out of the room came from as far as West Wales. In 1 AD, they came from all over the East. Why? You ever thought about that? Maybe you're thinking about Jesus for the first time. Why did they come from the east and all over 
because this baby is also called the desire of all nations. All nations. Even the farthest ones. What do you desire in life? The Bible says all desires meet their landing place in this baby, in this king. I got some homework for you because there's no meeting tonight. Read Isaiah chapter 60. Yes. And Psalm 72. Because Matthew is drawing from Isaiah 60 and Psalm 72. And in both of these readings, the kingdoms of Sheba, Seba, and Tarshish are mentioned. Three distant kingdoms. And in the psalm, the king of Sheba gives gold to this prophesied king. And in Isaiah, they give incense. But if you know Greek, the word is frankincense. And one of them was from Tarshish. And this matters. In the Bible, Tarshish has many layers as a word, like the word Babylon. Don't worry, it will be relevant in a bit. Stay with me. Some people think Tarshish was Spain. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, ships return from Tarshish. Tarshish. Ships return from Tarshish. And in the ships from Tarshish, they have apes and peacocks and ivory. When I went to Spain, there weren't many peacocks, apes, and ivory. There was lots of drunk Englishmen, from what I remember. And in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat builds ships in Ezion Geba, ships that would sail to the Indian Ocean on their way to reach Tarshish. So Tarshish can sometimes maybe mean places like Spain in the West, but the Bible also uses it for places in the far east, and it uses it like this, Timbuktu, that far land, somewhere from the edge of the world. And some people here this morning are spiritually in Timbuktu, far from God. You have been your whole life, and this is how you meet God. You come from Tarshish, Timbuktu, right to baby Jesus, and there you meet God. And God the Father is calling us all this morning to leave Timbuktu and head for Jesus. The Bible says, come from darkness to light. And the Psalms and Isaiah also mention Sheba, Tarshish and Sheba. And you remember someone from Sheba. What was her name or title? The Queen of Sheba who went and brought gifts to get wisdom from King Solomon. And Sheba was at the center of a large empire spanning Africa and Arabia. And in Isaiah chapter 60, it is prophesied that a king man comes from Sheba, and not only on his own, lots of people come behind him to visit the king. Midianites and Ephahites and Kedarites and Nabataeans. Because why? Because this baby is the desire of all nations. And in the same way, the Queen of Sheba gave her gifts to get wisdom from the great son of David. So now, in 1 AD, 
a king of Sheba, brings his gifts to the great son of David to receive wisdom and life. Incidentally, one of the cities that Sheba ruled was called Hadramut, which was called the frankincense kingdom. And the other visitor was from Seba, that's Isaiah 43. Seba was the firstborn son of Cush. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 10. Because in that chapter, the sons of Cush build massive cities. Nimrod was his youngest son. And he built Nineveh, Babylon, and Nimrod. Because you're going to name one after yourself, aren't you? And the Cushites were mighty. And they demanded gold off people because they're mighty. And yet, in the year 1 AD, one of their finest leaders wasn't demanding gold for himself, he was giving gold to a baby king far mightier than he. And in the backdrop, Matthew says, there's a census going on because Caesar wants to know who owes him what. And Herod thinks that Caesar's king and we all better bring our gifts. And there is this mighty man from Seba giving all of his best to the one king that matters. It's not Caesar. Because like he... And us, we owe this one everything. There's only ever been one in world history that we can say that of. You owe him the very breath in your lungs as you take the air in this morning. The year is 2023. The desire of nations is still saving the nations. And I read in the news last week, that 50,000 mosques closed in Iran last week. Why? Because this baby keeps doing something to people, even now in the nations. And the Farsi-speaking Iranian Christians are just spreading the message about the baby. And people are being saved and changed. I got another question to keep you awake. In 2013... How did our small, wider family learn about the coming news of the newborn baby who just ran out of this building? A text, a call, a visit. Maybe you've got some funny stories about how you've heard about the announcements of babies. Maybe you've got some scary stories. I don't know. How do friends find out about pregnancies in your world? Do you know where they didn't find the news of the boy that just ran out the door? The Old Testament. Stay with me. Not too far to go. The year is 1 AD. You're keeping track. 2013, 2014, 1 AD. How did the three wise men know about the coming of this baby? They read the Old Testament. Micah, elsewhere, the prophets and the Psalms bit of Moses sprinkled in, and they learn who he is, and why he is, and where he is. And they realize this is the one coming from heaven itself for anyone listening this morning that's ever done anything wrong, which was their story. Anyone who's down a hole, who's out for the count, who's done something so bad they can't even tell their closest friend. 
This is God coming to them because they can't get to God. They probably also read Daniel. This is my last semi-interesting thing about what I think is the history of the three wise men. Daniel, Magi. They probably heard about Daniel and his school of Magi, or maybe even were connected to him directly. The prophet Daniel was once the leader of the ancient order of Magi. He was the archmage. Did you know that? He was a wise mage. In Daniel's time, wise mages or magi or wise men would advise the king if he had a dream. Help me explain what it means. Call me the magi. But when Daniel starts, they can't interpret the dream. So the king calls Daniel and he prevents the death of the other wise men, the magi. He stands in for them. And at that point, the Bible says they are his fellow magi. And Daniel is able to interpret the king's dream and is promoted to the wisest of all the wise. And this school is formed that he's the leader of. And then he has whopping great visions of the one who's equal to God the Father, the Ancient of Days, who just walks up and is given all power and authority over the whole earth. And if you see that vision of Jesus, you tell all the other wise men. And off they go with this message. And they probably had links to that school of the Magi. And this is why there were three, before I tell you why it all matters. Because all the world represented in front of me this morning come from Noah's three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And these wise men are from the descendants of each of those sons. Do you know why? Here it comes full circle. Thank you for paying attention. Tarshish was the grandson of Japheth. Seba was the grandson of Ham. Sheba was the grandson of Abraham, a descendant of Shem. And here we are. The whole world is invited then, now, and forever whatever state you're in, from whatever nation you've come from, to meet God in Jesus. And he doesn't turn them away, and he doesn't turn anyone away who comes this morning. And here's my last big question of the day. What gifts do you bring a baby that is everything? Not has everything, is everything. A baby that's also called the ancient prince of heaven, who's just left the throne womb of heaven to be born in poverty, at infinite cost to himself, just to meet you. What do you bring him? They bring him from the Old Testament. Psalm 72, gold, a gift from kings for kings. Isaiah 60 and Leviticus 2, incense for a priest. And then from the Song of Songs, myrrh for a sweet-smelling, wonderful husband. But also, and pay attention, from John chapter 19, to use as embalming fluid for when his corpse is taken down from a tree. In 2014, what would we think in the baby shower if someone bought baby Jensen a gift for his death? to mark his coming death. 
we'd say, uh, thanks? In 1 AD, that's exactly what they do. Because the death of this baby is the way that he stands out as the true king and priest that we all and only need. Because they knew that his wooden crib would one day be exchanged for his wooden cross as he died for their sins. Because his crib and his cross are cut from the same wood. And at Christmas, the Lord Jesus stretched out in a little crib of wood, helpless and in desperation. But at Easter, the Lord Jesus was stretched out on a cross of wood in helpless desperation. But there he reigns from his tree of wood under the sign Ho Basilius Ton Judeon, King of the Jews. Can I urge you, as the whole world is represented here, so this is for you, to mark Jesus as your King, Priest, and Sacrifice, and by faith, trust Him with everything. And can I tell you why as I get to the end? Everybody here needs a priest and longs for a priest to connect them to God. Every man everywhere wants to feel like they're right and okay with God and connected to him. Did you know that there's some man or some woman somewhere now not far from here cutting themselves because in that cutting and the spilling of blood they feel absolution and connection with something to appease their guilt? Did you know in some tribes across the world right now there's women offering their newborns as animals, two animals as feed to oppose some angry God that they're trying to connect with? Did you know that there's some boy or girl somewhere being confirmed in a church not long from here, not far from here, longing to be connected to God? Did you know that someone's trying to face Mecca right now and pray several times a day because we all long to be connected to God and we need a priest? Did you know that everybody here wants to stand before God and feel right and ready for heaven if there is one? And some people are working themselves to death because that's how they get validation and purpose and feel okay in life with whoever's watching over me. At least there's purpose in my life. And Jesus lies in a crib in front of all of that with his arms outstretched and later hangs in front of everyone who needs a priest with his arms outstretched and he says, Father, forgive them and remind them that I am the priest the way that they need. So to all nations listening, you don't have to cut yourself this morning. The baby is the priest. You're justified freely. To everyone who's trying to get right, the baby is your priest. You're justified freely. You don't have to, to offer up sadness or regret this morning. The baby is the priest that you need and you're justified freely in him. You don't have to work yourself to death. You don't have to carry on in sin to escape and feel a buzz. You don't have to drink yourself to death or take drugs so no, that nobody knows about. Jesus is the priest, the king, and the sacrifice of the three wise men and for everyone in every nation this morning. And this is the very last thing I'm going to say. This is a true story. There was an old lady and she was dying in hospital and she said, could you ring my minister to come and see me, please? But the minister was away on holiday. So a friend recommended his minister. So his minister went to see the old lady who was dying in bed in hospital. And the minister sat beside her at the bedside and said... Are there any sins 
that I can forgive you. She said, excuse me, sir. What did you just ask me? He said, I said, are there any sins that I can forgive you for or for you? She said, I don't know. I don't know if you qualify. He said, how do I qualify? She said, sir, please could you put your right hand up? Oh, please could you put your left hand up? And she looked at the hands. Oh, she said, I'm sorry, sir. I don't mean to hurt you, but you don't qualify. You can't forgive my sins. My Savior, my forgiver, and my priest has scars on his hand, so only he can forgive me of my sins. When it comes to my sins, Jesus is all I need. And to that we say, Amen. Jesus is the Lord of the crib and the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.